0: We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us including those listens is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters.
1: Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us if we may be so bold is to recommend going to our Patreon where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of Woe. If you
0: want to contribute more than a dollar a month which obviously no pressure whatever you've got we are so appreciative to have but we have awesome gifts for you if you want a hand addressed letter from morgan and isabeau maybe with some special whoa stickers other merch
1: just uh, visit our patreon we are womance on patreon or is it patreon.com forward slash womance we would be very proud to call you one of our patrons
0: Welcome back, romantics, to the thrilling conclusion of The Flesh and the Devil. Where we left you last time was with Juana and her lover, Philippe on the road, they've escaped the tortured and terrible Habsburg Duke, and love is blossoming between the two. Morgan had just succinctly described that while she first was ready to defend this as an adventure book, she was indeed persuaded that romance was the greatest adventure of all. Right, what you were saying about the fact that Many of the things in Juana's life that didn't fit properly for like a highborn lady are now things that aid her in this adventure story was exactly right. And this adventure story is kind of like breaking. Wana out of her shell. Like, the thing that that didn't fit was, like, Wana in that life. And she needed someone like Philippe to help her realize that and see that. But, like, the romance itself is so fucking weird because they're constantly... Like, if they would just stop being idiots and say, I love you, like, it would all be fine. But instead, they're constantly trying to knuckle the other one under. Yeah. And so there's this scene at Philippe's friend's house, and before they get there, like, that's where they're laying low, figuring out their next move. He's like, fucking be nice. Like, I love these people, and I don't care how you fucking feel about me, but, like, it's important that, like, they continue to see me as like an okay person like don't deal dirty here Yeah, and she doesn't you know she she as you said like she really falls into this wedded bliss and she learns how to bake and she learns how to do stuff because Elisabetta and Luis do not have means and so they have to do a lot of stuff and the fact that she's so ignorant is like constantly funny to everyone in the house and I think there are even a couple of scenes where Philippe is like pleasantly surprised that she's trying so hard and so then there's this scene where he wants to have sex with her but he wants her to come to him and she can't come to him because if she does he'll see that she loves him, and then the the jig is up. He'll have all the cards and so instead of like coming to him, she's like, "Well, you can have me if you force me." And he's like, "I don't fucking want to force you right? But if you're gonna do that, I'm gonna go to a brothel all night and pay for it And then she cries and cries and cries, and he's out all night, but he doesn't go to the brothel. He goes to a bar and gets super drunk, and he stays out so that she thinks that he paid for sex and then he comes back thinking that she's humbled but instead she's gone to the church (laughs) to like find a convent to fucking retire to
1: yeah she well she like this woman this scheming woman goes to the church finds her off gives her her card and is like whatever you want to do and she's like this woman will help me get to a convent not the case and so now philippe has to Reveal himself in society, which he's been trying to hide, but it's kind of hard because he's himself a thousand feet tall. (laughs) Yeah. And so he reconnects with Elena, who is now married to like an old doddering uh, landed gentry member. And he, you know, becomes her lover so that he can access... Juana and the woman, Don, Dona Luisa, I think, who is Donna Hermonina. Hermanina. She has gone into this scheme with the mayor because she's super in debt. And she's like, we're going to sell this girl's virginity. She's not even going to know it. And she's like so incredibly beautiful. Like, hello, this was like a 1980s romance novel. So she's like tiny and so pretty and like doesn't even know it. So they're selling her virginity in order for Hermanina to like make back all of her like all of her debt. Hermanina has this secret potion that she used to take when she was married to a much older man to make people horny. And that's how she achieves her goals, right? She makes the woman incredible as horny as the man she sold their virginity to. And once again, like, I love this book. I love the fact that our heroine, like, the the servants in the house, like, care about her and want to protect her. That doesn't matter. It's her, like, own wiles and her own, like, being like, I'm sick. Why is she so weird about this wine? I don't even want it. I'm just going to pour it out. And I think any other romance novel, even today, would have been like, what a perfect gift for a historic romance, right? A secret potion that makes people unreasonably horny. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't fall into that trap and it has her kind of play out what is ultimately like a really romantic scene, I think, with – Philippe right before they're thrust into their other adventure.
0: Right and Philippe is like staking out the house he's like trying to get her like he knows what danger she's in and knows that she also doesn't know and so there's like always this brinksmanship of knowledge is also part of it but like there are these long scenes where he's just like out in the plaza staring up at the windows.
1: Yeah just waiting. Waiting to see her and like also he spends part of the reason he's spending so much time with Elena is that her young brother's are pursuing Juana and so he's he he wants to go to like the orchard with them to be near her but I mean like that's not even like one of the most romantic things like there's this beautiful letter there's all of these like colorful gloves going on
0: handling of gloves keeping of gloves (laughs)
1: Uh, and an exchange of gloves and sniffing of gloves hiding of gloves there's a lot of glove play in this story and I just like, it's hard for me to say, like, my my biggest question coming into this conversation for me is, like, why does this one work? Like, I didn't just read it as, you know, at a certain point when I'm reading Shanna or I'm reading The Flame and the Flower, I realize that it's not actually for me. And I read it the rest of the way through as, like, a point of curiosity this book I hesitate like I am not even sure if I'm good at talking about it because I enjoyed the adventure of it so much and it's a gd bodice ripper like a real one Mm -hmm. why is it that this one is so resonant like is it merely because it's like merely but is it just like Really well written, or has something in the experience of reading so many of these books shifted my perspective.
0: It's really well written. There, like I, I book noted a bunch of one-liners, and I think also the fact that this book doesn't fall into its own traps. I think you're so right to say that about particularly the horny potion. But then there's also like the whole thing with. Pedrino the dwarf that's kept and the fact that like Philippe is made more whole by his treatment of this character that everyone else treats so badly. And there's another scene with Romani people that philippe interacts with where he gives them their full due but that also means that the book gives them their full due there's this wonderful line that i bookmarked from that scene because the the romani have come to tell him that like people have found out that they found the duke's body and he's like sir our tongues are our own to use as we please your money cannot buy them and thus we go and he obviously taking great pride in his speech and tristan nodded dryly that was very well spoken (laughs) and it's like, and then they like continue to treat together. And I think that the fact that this book has so many throwaway characters, but none of them are throwaway, all of them are fully fledged makes the world so real. And Wana is, instantly and always human like as you said she's plucky but she's also really capable but she's also annoying as shit and like she makes mistakes and she also owns up to the mistakes that she makes even if only to herself if she doesn't want to admit them to philippe or others and i think even having the space to have a heroine whose flaws Are so visible. Yeah. But the fact that the book gives her so much space to change and change for the better and change in deeper ways and become more thoughtful and more reflective is unique. I think Shayna is humbled, but I don't think she ever truly changes.
1: Right. And I think like Juana has like this great deal of integrity. Like her one of her greatest faults that Philippe points out is that she's always honest, but he always knows that. That's, like, the thing that keeps him going. Like, if she will always tell me how she feels, I will always know her true heart, right? And her integrity is something that, like, keeps her from becoming a sap. She she makes choices for her own survival and later for the survival of the person she loves. Mm-hmm. And it's never like, oh, gee, I hope Philippe will like me. And she never gets weirdly jealous even though at times it felt like the book was setting us up for that she has like the right kind of consistency and the right kind of fluidity to be interesting I
0: think that's absolutely right I mean at one point Philippe has been shot and there's this like god-awful super long table surgery scene that takes a thousand pages but is so dramatic and the stakes seem so high and she's like I just want to make sure that he lives and then I'm gonna turn myself in as a witch because like I don't want you guys to get in trouble like I don't care if I even stay with Philippe I just want to know that he's alive and like that speaks to both her integrity and like her care of others and like how much she's learned and like learned to be a person in community.
1: Yeah. Also, like, the accusation of women for being witch just based on their inherent skills as a woman is one of my – I really enjoy reading that because she's accused of being a witch for her ability to, like, make friends with people. <laughs> like, yeah. She's constantly rescued because she's able to make connections. Martinetti eventually saves her again. And I also like that Philippe isn't uh, isn't always the one to save her. She saves herself in a lot of these situations, and I think that's very unexpected. But it still had that like fuzzy edge, slightly frightening, impressionistic, you know, of the bodice ripper. And it's like set in this like really sweaty, claustrophobic, smelly world with a lot of political machinations, mm-hmm. and it has like all of the like structural things of a bodice ripper, and. Maybe we should talk about what we mean just in case. Like, because I used to think A Bodice Ripper was just like a parlance for a romance novel. But it's a specific type of romance novel from, I would say, a specific era. But maybe people are still writing them. Wherein the heroine's first – their historicals, wherein the heroine's first sexual encounter is – rape or non-consensual and it was a trope for a long time if you read uh, reading the romance is mostly an interrogation of the relationship women have with bodice rippers specifically and how we would and why women specific women in the case of that book would consume media that's about their destruction and their violence against them for pleasure yes yes
0: That is the definition of a bodice ripper. But also, I think one of the things about bodice rippers is like, of their time, you couldn't think less of the heroine, which meant that she couldn't want sex until, you know, after she'd been raped. So it's part of the convention of the thing. And that's how it worked out. That's how it came to be.
1: Via Kathleen Woodowist. And it was a way of getting sex on the page. So maybe it was ultimately like a form of liberation. But it's... They are – it's, like, you say that, but, like, some of them you read, like, you know, A Pirate's Love by Joanna Lindsay comes to mind, where it's, like, that is the thing. Like, the rape is the thing. A lot of shake novels or chic novels that we read, that was the thing. It wasn't like there – it wasn't like in Shanna where it's, like, a means to an end or, like, in this book where it's a progression of characters' understanding of self, right? It's just the way sex works in historicals sometimes right like rape apologia it's yeah
0: it's weird to read um and so like this conforms in some ways and subverts in others
1: What was your sexiest part? What do you feel was the sexiest part of the flesh and the devil? So I have two I
0: was so titillated by the foot rub I can't
1: I. <laughs> I'm shook. I'm going to be thinking about that foot rub for a long ass time. It's very on brand for us to like make a mountain out of a single body part being feasted on.
0: feasted on his right though like the way that he like works his knuckles into like the hollow part of her arch i was like fucking dead but my other sexiest part was on their second road trip they're part of this mule train to get to cadiz to get to a ship that will eventually bear them to england and he's suffered this grievous wound so he's basically useless for most of this trip and she's taking care of him and working really hard both to conceal her pregnancy and her feelings for him and there's this scene where like they're brigands menacing the mule train and she has to take the oxen because his leg can't go at the faster speed and like blah 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 anyway there's a scene with brigands he stands for the first time in 10 days which was very heroic but after that they like pull off to this like spring-fed lake and, like, the stars are out and the sun is beginning to set and, you know, they're just, like, next to each other and then he just, like, is like, I'm gonna kiss you and then it's the first time that she's on top of him in a sex scene and, and, like... Just the way that that sex scene is born is really cinematic and full. And it also felt like the first sex scene where she allowed herself to fully participate from beginning to end. Like there was no feigning that she didn't want it, which was really nice. And then they just like have a nice chat. (laughs) <laughs> you know next to this lake with the oxen lowing in the background and I i really I thought that was very sexy I liked that I don't know what it says about me that Philippe had to be totally physically humbled for me to finally be like okay I get it now but
1: I think it says that you are uh, wrapped around Teresa Dennis, Denny's <laughs> finger because that's 100% what she's doing she gets him like shot in the leg and so we're still able to be like he is the world's greatest fighter it's just that those guys took a cheap shot right and like we have to have tinder ministrations he is the one who is truly humbled not her not Wana.
0: is definitely a hurt comfort fanfic part
1: <laughs> it is well he thinks that she has set him up that she was the one who sent the uh who alerted the idiot brothers to the fact that he was fucking their sister their married sister but she was not it wasn't her she never would have done that what was your sexiest part? Well, okay, I, I, I will choose one, and I will I will call it a movement. But it's after his jaw clicks when he realizes that he mm. has miscalculated, and he decides that he wants Wana to like him, but he doesn't actually know how to want that, and so. He starts saying, like, I will court Juana for the Duke. But it's very clearly him, except it's not that clear to Juana. And she's just confused. After the bodice ripping, you get all of these moments of vulnerability from Philippe as he is desperate to make her happy and to, like, have something while she's there. And one of the things he does is he writes her poetry, And he gets her these lilac gloves to match her dress. And he, at one point, she throws them at him (laughs) because she's upset. And he wears them in his epaulette in the next scene. And he hands her eventually a letter. And he says that it's from the Duke. She's like, okay, thanks. And he's like, you have to read it in front of me. The Duke says... The Duke says that you must read it in front of me. Wana looked down at the sheet again and felt an unaccountable catch at her heart. Here was no mere courtly catalog of praises, but a demand, climaxing a recital of her beauties that brought the blood to her cheeks. There was no part of her that the poet had not touched on, and it disturbed her that she she should have so excited a stranger's imagination that he could write of her so. Angels may love for virtue's sake, but man, seeing an earthly treasure, must possess. Yield to love's rights with woman's gentleness, and do not chide if famine makes him bold. Only a miser makes no use of gold. The whole poem evoked the joys of loving with a blazing directness that made the verses Jaime had sent her seem unskilled and insipid. Three days ago, she realized bitterly, She would not have understood half of its meanings. She asked huskily, what of the others? Did the same poet write those too? Tristan was still barring her way. (laughs) He said unmovedly, he is a driveling boy with no wit to speak of, but a little skill with words. That and a whole face will please some women's fancies. His last words bit like acid. Uh, I just, I love that like whole courtship part. And then the foot rub in the carriage. (laughs) The foot rub in the carriage. I mean, honestly, there's
0: also this whole scene when they finally get to Cadiz and there he's trapped in the apartment because of his injury and she's like going out trying to get the ship and he's trapped just like listening waiting for her to come back and so he's like irritated with her and she's irritated with him because she's tired they have this very weird domesticity where they both kind of have to come to terms with his irritation at his inability to like go out and be active and like her irritation that she has to do all of it the way that they like treat each other in that very confined space is just they finally learn how to deal and just like I mean it's a surprisingly sexy book lots of it surprising and where it is sexy
1: yeah I am kind of obsessed it has like everything like when you think of like I want to read a historical romance when I want to read a historical romance I want to go somewhere weird like somewhere I haven't been before and like this depiction of Spain is was rich if dark. The, the particularities of the clothing and the way people look is fascinating and like dark. and like these historical tidbits that are true that you learn and that feed the story are so enlivening and exciting. Mm-hmm. There's an adventure, but it's not like like everyone's motivations are understandable and justifiable and it's got lots of cool old clothes like it's everything you would want in a historical but it is a and but and it's a bodice ripper it's also enormous (laughs) like as much as it has like so much stuff that i love and is actually really rare it likewise has stuff that like i objectively dislike like it's so freaking long. It's enormous. It's a doorstop. It's a bodice ripper, but I was I was captivated all the way through. All the way through.
0: Yeah. I it took me to about page 50 and then I was like, "Oh shit, I am on this train and it is a bullet train <laughs> straight to weirdness." I'm like, "I'm not getting off. There are no stops."
1: There's mystery and random shocking things happen and I feel kind of bad because I feel like this conversation is hard probably hard to follow for people who haven't read this super rare book because there's so much ground that is covered by this text also like so fresh in my mind and I am so in love with it that I think I'm having a hard time talking about it so I guess I'm sorry (laughs) is what I'm saying what was your weirdest part so I've spent a lot of time thinking about
0: this because there's some deeply weird shit in this book. There's some weird stuff about race, especially the Moors. But I think I have come to the conclusion that this book is uses mm-hmm. ableist shorthand all the time in lots of different ways. And I found that really weird. It had been such a long time mm-hmm. that... Like an outside deformity was also meant to mirror an inside criminality. And so the Duke's character in particular is so irredeemable that even Eugenio's machinations around him, which are deeply disgusting Mm. and terrible, do not come to the same level of depravity that the Duke Bartolome is described as having. And then there's the whole thing with Padrino being a pet and there's like all of this stuff about bodies being different. And even with Juana, it was horror mm-hmm. around uh, Philippe's scarred face and that thing that you just read in their early courtship when it's like a few good words and a whole face is all some women need, which is like calling attention to how shitty... Wana is treating him over a physical deformity that he couldn't help. But this book doesn't make those same allowances or even question those kinds of ableist underpinnings for any of the other characters.
1: There's this interesting moment where Juana learns that the Duke has the Habsburg issues, which come from like l- reader. Me, as a reader, brought understanding about, like, a lot of inbreeding is what led to the Habsburg um, jaw. Juana catches herself making assumptions when she first sees him and says, like, and her aunt points out, like, these are actually signs of greatness, right? Which was historically factual. Like, they felt – Because the Habsburgs had these conditions, those conditions became desirous and, like, indicative of, like, a great leader. If you have seizures, you're a great leader. If you have this jaw, you're a born king, you know? Anybody would be lucky to be with someone like that, right? It's the divine right
0: of kings doing the thing that the divine right of kings would do, which would be allied terrible defects that you wouldn't want in – a head of state for a country of many millions of people.
1: Yeah. And then there's also the point at which everyone's kind of tut tutting Juana for not wanting to – the scarring, the facial scarring that Philippe has is considered, like, very handsome, but it's like, but you'll understand when you're older what actual beauty is, male beauty, right? And so I think, like, those – I think I could be like, oh, that mitigates like ableism, right? Because one is in a context is put in a context r- where those things are actually desirable and she's the one who's questioning it. But, you know, and Pedrino is also likewise, he is like a fully realized character. Um, he has a personality, and motivations, he does good things and we But he is, you know, a historically accurate figure and depiction of what's going on. But I can see – I'm surprised you didn't bring up the example of Eugenio when he recovers from his stroke. And that is, to me, the clearest, like, that, at that point it is irrefutable that outsides are supposed to be insides because – He initially is, like, a short, stocky guy who's, like, very flamboyant. He is poisoned. He has a stroke. He miraculously recovers. And we find him later on. He's uh, unable to walk and his face is drooping, right? He has all of the conditions of a stroke. But it is at that point at which he becomes outwardly lecherous and spiteful of – our heroine. And I think that shift indicates like the text isn't like, oh, I wanted to write about the Habsburgs and I also had to make the Duke a villain, you know. He had to be this bad villain. Um, I wanted to write about dwarf, people with dwarfism in court and how their what their existence was like, but I wanted to like be historic, right, like this actual thing, but I wanted to give the character like a whole – identity right and actually be like this key mover and not just like window dressing not tokenism like it gets away with a lot of that but then at the point at which eugenio's like evil is unveiled by his newly encountered disability is pretty damning
0: i don't think it helps that everyone else around juana with the exception of philippe are like these are the attributes of the divine right of Kings. Like you should be so lucky because there's already been enough work. Like we're removed as the reader to understand that that's a silly rationalization to allow these people to rule. And Philippe like literally says that to her to both confirm her feeling, but also confirm ours, the reader. So like, like the other characters who are making that argument, Are made silly, so then we understand as readers that that is an argument that's not supposed to hold water. Yeah, I mean, I was like, it's been a really long time that I've read a book that was so insistent on ugly outsides match ugly insides.
1: When when do you think was the last time you read one? I think that's a great question. Was it Um, The Flame and the Flower by Kathleen Woodiwiss?
0: No, it was the one that we read last year about the portraits. Right? They had that like really
1: schemy. It was also homophobic. That, like, ugly... Reckless. Yes. I don't remember that. I I remember the guy being the villain turning out to be secretly gay. I don't remember, like, people being ugly. He was described as ugly. Like, at least, like, in a, like,
0: greasy sort of, like, uh, rat-like way.
1: Perhaps the only reason I'm thinking of The Flame and the Flower is because it's so contemporaneous with this. And it is so... I remember we also had that conversation where it's like the guy doesn't secret like doesn't have a heart of gold like he's a hundred, he's like a rapist and he looks like a frog, and you're right like the people who are insistent are made ridiculous by the fact that this Bartolome's outside matches inside scare quotes right, and his existence is a, a burden to everyone in a really like violent way yeah what was your weirdest part um aside aside from everything else we've already discussed i think pregnancy and also the yet again like he's a secret duke too this whole time like that resolution was upsetting he's a
0: secret duke too yeah i
1: would also I would also say like I come to a historical romance set in Spain wanting to read about Spain and we have like not only is he English, he's a redheaded highland, like he's Scottish, full blown, <laughs> full blown. Like the this book has so much creativity and ingenuity. I, I don't think – and there is this resolution where our heroine – runs into her father and her sister and hides from them and decides that like that's not my life, that's not where I belong anymore. And then it's like, oh, wait, immediately it's like, yes, you do because guess what? He's a Duke. You do belong there. Um and it just seems like such weird undoingness, uh, an unnecessary undoingness, especially in like a book a text that is such a like I said, such a clock. like every piece is spinning in time. So to have that stuff, I mean, like, I get it. Like, tall guys are hot, you know. Having red hair makes him distinctive, as well as, like, his scar. Like, he he has to li- – he's, like, otherworldly, you know. I also think it's worth pointing out that, like, many of the key villains are women. And so, for example, if we take Her- Hermanina – Her main motivations are purely, like, greed because women be shopping. Uh, They don't even get, like, interesting political motivations like Eugenio, who is likewise motivated by greed, but has this, like, elaborate story backing and, like, he's been spending all this time. Hermanina is just like, I buy too many clothes. Now I'm broke. Um, That's not particularly interesting, including, like, Michaela, her lady-in-waiting, who is later murdered. She is undermined as, like, kind of, like, slutty. And ultimately, it's her sluttiness that leads to her uh, murder, um, because she was going up to Bartholomew's suite to try and seduce Philippe, and instead Bartholomew was there.
0: I think the only woman... Besides Juana who's allowed to like have any kind of shift is Tia Beatrice. Where she, like, is super annoying at first and is constantly like, shut up, Juana. This is great. You're going to be a duchessa and whatever. And then once Juana meets the Duke and she's like, Tia Beatrice, like, this is, this is really, this is a problem. Like, we have to. This is happening. Right. And Tia Beatrice immediately believes her, doesn't need to meet the Duke, and is like, I am going to run home and tell my brother to stop this. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to fix this. Yeah. And that was, like, really nice, I thought, to turn a hectoring old maid character into this, like, heroic family member who's ultimately undermined it. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, what she does is pretty meaningless.
0: It is, ultimately, because I think, like, your point is well taken. There are a lot of female villains in this.
1: Yeah. And the the values of this text are so, antiqu- like, antiquated. Mm-hmm. And it's all here. Like everything I hate is here alongside everything I love. And I guess it turns out that I'm more willing to like accept something for having the things I love than reject something for having the things I hate in it when it comes to romance novels at least.
0: Especially ones that are so well written and do the most, right? Yeah. I think in the hands of a lesser author, this would have been terrible. Yeah.
1: I – i feel like there have been so when it comes to is this a romance or a no man's i feel like there have been times when i have said a bodice ripper is a woe because it's an important part of like man's history and if you can read it like you should you know um blah 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 no this one's like actually good so not only would i say that this is a woe for me this uh would also cancel out all of the other pity woes or, like, uh, not pity woes, the cerebral woes <laughs> that I gave to other bodice rippers. Because if you only need one, it should be this one. And it's so, like, also delighting because it's, like, hard to find. I think that also adds to it. And the title... The title. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry that
0: it's taken us this long to talk about how fucking bomb ass this title is. The Flesh, the Flesh and, and the, the Devil. Devil. It's
1: actually, The Flesh and the Devil is also uh, kind of a semi-famous pre-code movie mm. that I think was one of those, like, good girl goes bad.
0: Mm. Like Red-Headed Woman.
1: Yeah, Greta Garbo's in it with John Gilbert. Nice. Oof. Let's okay. Two childhood friends, Leo and Ulrich, grow up to be soldiers in Germany. Leo becomes infatuated with Felicitas, the wife of a powerful count, a marriage about which Felicitas neglects to inform leo the count calls for a duel of honor with leo but insists it that it be done under the false pretense that the quarrel was due to angry words exchanged between the two at a card game to protect the count's reputation leo kills the count in the duel but then is punished by the military by being sent to africa for five years due to ulrich's intervention leo only serves three years before being recalled home on his return journey he focuses on his dream of being reunited with Felicitas Felicitas, uh, before he left for Africa, Leo asked Ulrich to take care of Felicitas' needs while he was away. Mm-mm. Ulrich, unaware that his Mm-mm. friend is in love, falls in love with her and marries her. It's such a good title. I feel like it's more applicable, having not seen The Flesh and the Devil from 1926, I feel like it's more applicable apl- applicable to this book. Isabel, is it a woe or a no for you? Oh, it's a total woe.
0: Like, unreservedly. Really? Yeah. It took me a while to get there. I, like, really struggled. But after the foot rub, I was done.
1: <laughs> you were sold. I was sold. I know. I want to, like, maybe I'll just steal this book from the public library um, to keep it. But uh, that foot rub scene's pretty great. Good up, Definitely up there, even with the wrist scene from Beast, I would say. True. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on the flesh and the devil? Uh, If you don't know what we're talking
0: about when we talk about the Habsburg chin, I highly recommend that you just go ahead and Wikipedia that. Um, You'll get some real weird portraits, but it's worth the dive.
1: And definitely also keep in mind that portraits at the time were meant to be flattering and not realistic. So that's got a lot of filters on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of Instagram filters on that one.
1: There's a reason most states ask you to confirm that you're not related to the person you're marrying, and if you are, that you are uh, sterile. Yeah, that
0: you submit to a blood test so that we can verify you're not too close. Like, "Mm, first cousin shouldn't be marrying a thousand times.
1: Yeah. Not even once. (laughs) Not even once. It's true. Inbreeding, Mm. not even once. Not good. Not good. I'm glad we got that PSA in. I don't want people to think we're pro inbreeding. I don't want that either. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad we we took a stand, clear, loud, and clear. Good for us. Good for us. Yet again, doing <laughs> the important work here at Womance. Uh Do you have any parting thoughts? No, I I have no thoughts. I'm surprised I made it this far. Um, so with that, like, loosen your stays. But never your principles. Mwah. Wolly guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance.
0: Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan.
1: And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R E I S C H M A N
0: N N. Original music by Nick Gravelin.
1: If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email WomanceMail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Romance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.